Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Checkpoint Radio. My name is James and I'm with Ben and Connor as always. And in today's episode, we're opening the Hall of Fame once more for a brand new entry. And trust me, this one is well deserving of a spot on our greatest games of all time list. But before that, there's another game I want to talk about. A very new game that recently just come out. Alan Wake 2. Oh Oh my my goodness. Why is this game so good? I mean... To be honest, I would be very happy <laughs> if we put Alan Wake 2 in this game of the year thing that we do right now, because yeah. this game is top tier, hits every box for me so far. It's, it's strange because I never played Alan Wake 1, but um, I did play a bit of Quantum Break and um, obviously a bit of Control as well. But Remedy are a kind of a, not a strange studio, but they're a studio that have been slowly building out a really kind of eye-catching solid well-executed portfolio with the games that they've Mm. produced over the last few years and i think alan wake 2 everyone's talking about this game at the moment it's just been so well received by fans and critics it's it's doing exceptionally well in sales everyone's absolutely loving it it's a great kind of horror um psychological thriller survival experience but i just i'm 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 stunned by the movie like quality of this game the super high production value even though i don't actually think the game had a massive budget um i'm not sure i'm i think it maybe did i'm no, sort of they, more um, well, they did the same with control i think that game cost like 50 billion dollars to make oh really yeah or like 25 something like that but you yeah. know it's a game that if it has had a budget that's maybe in that region every penny has been spent in the most perfect way yeah like control was an absolutely gorgeous game and the style and setting of it really set the standard. Alan Wake 2's just built on that and made and took it to the next level. Mm. So I, I recently went back and played Alan Wake 1 in preparation for Alan Wake 2. And to be honest, I was a bit tight financially this month. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll get Alan Wake 2 at a later date when, I don't know, I can afford it and treat myself to it. But when you, James, sent me a list of tweets from people who'd reviewed the games and it was getting (laughs) across the board, nine tens and five out of fives, it was like a no-brainer. You have to buy this game right now. And I absolutely, well, I was going to say I absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed Alan Wake 1. I played the remaster. I never played it before. And I love the fact that I did play it because obviously it's a complete continuation and it carries on from pretty much where Alan Wake 1 left off. Playing Control in between, I don't know, I just, I am in love with the whole Remedy um, cinematic universe. And I yeah, think... The, 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 uh, the RCU, the Remedy yeah, Connected Universe. Oh, it's it's just... so good. And I think Control did an incredible job at making, at like setting that, um, I don't know, making... It a reality because mm. Alan Wake One was at first obviously its own isolated thing, but then Control coming along and then interpreting it into this whole universe of altered world events, AWEs, and yeah. and the the lake without too many spoilers, but I don't know, I don't want to spoil it too much, but obviously. Alan Wake well, 2. Well, this, this is in reference to Alan Wake 1 with the lake being yeah. not exactly a lake. And no, exactly. being like, you know, a, a gateway to what is potentially now other other sort of worldly events and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, Alan Wake 2 just picks up directly from the events of, of Alan Wake yeah. 1, more or less, with um, a new string of murders that have called in this hotshot FBI agent to come and investigate. And yeah, I just can't help but like, it's weird because when I'm playing it, like I know it's obviously a game, but I feel like I'm really experiencing a great piece of like just a great movie or TV series yeah. or something. Cause it's so well executed in terms of it's like storytelling and it's characters and it's writing as well. And yeah, it's just a real sort of like just shining example of how video games can sort of bridge that gap towards movies and TV shows and be mm. um, just a complete work of art that elevates games to like a new level. Like this yeah. is where we can take storytelling in games. Everything like, from how the gameplay influences that to literally the cutscenes, the cinematography, and things as well. You know it. I mean, isn't it a shame that there are going to be millions upon millions of people who are never going to experience this? Because yeah. obviously, unless you are a gamer, you are never going to experience Alan Wake Two. And yeah. the difference between watching a game 
and playing a game, especially when it's a horror game. Obviously, we discussed this in our previous episode, the difference between playing a horror game and just watching a horror film or watching a horror game. Like the experience is so different, but I mm. absolutely love the pace of it too. We were talking about this earlier, James, where the game is so slow because it's like a detective mystery. You're working out the case. You are quite literally piecing together the puzzle manually. But yeah. Yeah. The, the pace of like, I don't want to spoil it too much, but for instance, there's this part where you're in New York or like a fucked up version of New York and like walking around the streets, every other game that you'll play that sets place in a big city, you're going to be sprinting around like a maniac. You, you could, I don't know, the atmosphere, the visuals, the the fucking terror of it all. Everything's are, just like really intriguing, yeah. isn't it? Like you're walking around a corner and you see stuff. You think, oh, what's down there? What's down there? And it's, it's, it's strange because I don't really like horror games. I don't play many mm. horror games. I'm, I'm quite like, you know, that's just not a genre of games that I really explore that much. But I don't know like where Adam Wake 2 sort of sits on the scale of, of scary games. Mm. I'm guessing it's not that scary for hardcore sort of horror enthusiasts. But even, even for me, like I don't really find it that scary. Like I'm really enticed by just the atmosphere of yeah. the game and the setting and, and the vibe of it all. And yeah, there's jump scares and like the game got me real fucking good earlier. And <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just like, I, I like it though. It's exciting. And for the yeah, first time is. ever playing a horror game, I actually want to be scared i want to sort yeah, of like dive into this world and experience it all because it's so rewarding as you're unfolding this story and this mystery and like working through the case and figuring out what's going on the scares yeah obviously they're you, you, you get you get scared or whatever it's fine but because the story itself is so immersive and so kind of engrossing it's like mm. that's just a thing that you you kind of like accept along the way because it's mm. just what the story is trying to tell yeah, it's very mysterious. It's very, yeah. like, even though you know the horrors that are there, it's, I don't know, it just catches you out. And mm. I just can't say, the graphics are phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's it's insane. It's ridiculous. Isn't it? It's the, one of the it's, most it's, gorgeous games I've ever played. It's like the closest thing to real life in terms yeah. of kind of like how a game can look, I think, that, that we could get. And it's a huge step up from anything we've seen so far. I mean, even oh. games like... Red Dead Redemption Red 2, Dead, obviously, yeah. which is regularly lauded for its kind of visual striking image. This game, I'm not saying it shits on Red Dead, but it just takes everything that is good about a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 mm-hmm. and elevates it all to a new level with the certain, you know, technologies and stuff they use, like um, ray tracing, like the photorealistic graphics yeah. and stuff. It's just insane the way they've kind of managed to make it all work. Yeah. I was watching a Digital Foundry video about Alan Wake and they were saying that... Um, They've kind of baked in to the game these settings in within other like, settings menus for for the, for the graphics and the fidelity that would be optional or would be on the sort of medium to higher end scale of a graphic setting previously. They're baked okay. into the game just like by default. So even if you're playing the game on low settings, for example, on PC, which is the equivalent of what it would be on the console, you're still getting like an incredibly um realistic image even though it's wow. technically low on pc so that's kind of like the level at which they're stepping it up into a new kind of generation of, of graphical fidelity interesting isn't it a, a marvel what the unreal engine can do it's just phenomenal it's their own um, engine no it's the Northlight engine oh really it's their own engine oh i was under the assumption it was the unreal engine because the first game was on the unreal engine i think yeah so maybe they, they built um too. i don't know about quantum break but they built uh control and um Alamate 2 on the Northlight engine, which is Remedy's own in-house game engine. Uh, Alamate 1 was on the Havoc engine. I'm yeah. well fucking but uninformed. Yeah. Anyway, we've anyway. been ignoring Connor for like 10 minutes, so yeah, I just want to bring you in I'm if you want to join, join in like Alan Wake discussion. What do you think of the game? I know you haven't really played it much, but you, are you planning to play it? Yeah, I've I've had to stop myself buying Alamate 2 and Spider-Man 2 like, mm. the past week. Like, they've both been in like a basket and I'm like... Mm. Yeah. So, um, no, I'm going to play both of them um yeah alan wake 2 i didn't like the first one i didn't get on with it like just yeah. from a control i i liked the i like where it was set i like the tone um i like everything about it but it just felt clunky when i played it and it, it, i had played it way later than it came out so it came out on like the dual shock two or three like on the ps3 that sort of era and mm. but 
I played so many games. I would say, yeah, it felt aged when I played it. So yeah. it didn't really do the game credit. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to end up buying it on yeah, payday. Highly recommend. So, mm. and, yeah. um, and it yeah, rounds yeah. off, like, unless anything else comes out of the woodwork, it seems like it's the final massive game that comes out this year, which has mm. just been hit after hit after hit. Yeah. It's I mean, there was one point, year, isn't that? It has been a really good year. There was one point in the year when we we're kind of looking ahead at all these games and thinking, well, if half these games manage to come out this year, it'll be a great year for, for games because obviously we've had so many delays lately. And it feels like this is the year where people of, well, developers in particular have caught up with the, the delays from COVID and like yeah. these games are just being pumped out one after another, one after another. And um, yeah, like this month alone, October, Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2, two huge games that release mm-hmm. literally within a week of each other or maybe two weeks of each other. Obviously, we had City Skyline 2, which came out recently. That's a game that people have been talking about a lot. Maybe not necessarily for, for, yeah. for good. But, but um, it, um, yeah. it shows how well the industry's... Forza as well. I forgot about Forza this month. Forza came out. Starfield did massive numbers, which is pretty much give Xbox record-breaking Q1 in, the, um, yeah. in their history. Uh, Spider-Man 2 is the fastest-selling PlayStation game of all time. Yeah, like, incredible. We still got Call of Duty. The games are back. Call yeah, of fuck Duty. God. Yeah. yeah, fuck off. That'll break records. Gonna do gangbusters, but, isn't yeah. it? That'll break refund records. Yeah, so. we've had the was <laughs> Cyberpunk DLC. Was that this Cyberpunk? Month? Yeah, that was Another August as well. Yeah. Redemption story. Mm, yeah, it's been a, been a pretty um. Oh, mate, the finals. The fi- well, I'm so glad you mentioned that actually, Ben, because we've yeah. been playing a lot of the finals. Re- um, this this beta that's been out, this public beta, crossplay beta, whatever you want to call it. Um come out a few days ago and it's, it lasts through to the 5th of November but I think by the time this comes out it'll be finished yeah. um, but the finals we've mentioned the finals before in this podcast and it is a incredible first person squad based mm. objective based shooter almost like a battle royale in some instances but yeah having lots and lots of fun on that and that game I was invited to the very first play test of that game literally Trash. a couple of years ago yeah. hot garbage then another play test really really positive another one step Not back so but this one so good like they've polished yeah. the game entirely I'm be, I'd be surprised if this game doesn't come out within the next six months because it's looking like it's basically finished it runs really yeah. well and plays really nicely that's it I mean I suppose for them this is maybe a confirmation of what they've done with the engine and the way the game feels and plays that's almost like they've done that I'm feeling that this is more of now just like a server stress test testing Network out the test. cross play yeah because why else would you test that unless you were close to release because um because obviously you want that game to launch. You don't want people to be queuing up. You don't want servers to be dropping. You want the game to be ready to go. And the performance is a big tick. And um, now yeah, it's performance just, uh, increases nuts. Because I'm playing oh, the game at like max settings with ray tracing yeah, on, maxing out the frame rates of my screen. It's like incredible how how far it's come in, in that in that regard. And and a game of that pace and a game of that fucking hectic mental madness. Yeah, buildings destroying the particle effects. The fucking I don't know the speed that your character moves at and the yeah. enemies move that. I don't yeah. know. It's just nuts. It's the best yeah. f- uh, first person shooter I've played in probably a decade. Mm. Yeah, I cannot wait. Yeah, if, anyone, if, anyone's, if anyone's kind of like listening to this, not really great. sure what the finals is, put it this mm. way, we we are, I guess you could call us three very disgruntled Call of Duty players looking for a, a, another shooter that we can yeah. squad up and play and play together and the finals is made by a new studio that comprises of X dice developers people with real good pedigree i think there's some call of duty devs in there as well possibly but the game is basically a team v team v team v team in some in some of the game modes um extraction shooter more or less like you you go in grab cash get out and and um defend defend your your winnings you fight off team teams and then you go through to rounds but lots of destruction variety of gadgets different play styles very team orientated yeah, and uh, yeah, if you're put off by Battlefield 2042 and and sort of set of Call of Duty at the moment, look for something yeah. new. Keep an eye on the finals; definitely worth looking at. Yeah, yeah they're short, fast-paced, team-based objective shooter. It's great. That's it. Yeah, real good. Yeah. Well, well, before we move on to the the main topic, anyone else got anything they want to add for our general discussion for this little intro? Um, 
I gave the well, you mentioned City Skylines 2. I gave that a go just to sort huh. of stay informed. And I was absolutely gobsmacked when I launched it and hit maximum of 30 frames per second. But is, is, that, is that because of performance or is the game actually limited to 30 frames per second? Well, I have got it above 30 frames now and it's definitely not capped. It's just, right. I don't know, it's just unoptimized. And I'm not too That's quick weird. to hate on a game because of performance reasons. Many people will go and shit on a game, give mm. it terrible reviews for performance reasons. Inevitably, always, performance problems get fixed in a matter of time. It's just one of those shit things that a game gets released maybe a little bit too early or a little bit too unoptimized. And you know it will get fixed, so you can't judge it too quickly. I mean, you yeah. can and you can't. <laughs> but... Besides, there's another reason why I think City Skylines doesn't quite hit the mark. So obviously City Skylines 1 has maybe had over 10 plus years of content and updates and Mm. just a whole life cycle. But now City Skylines 2 has come out and one would assume that the next one will have everything the first game's got and more. Something that will set it apart and take it to the next level. But unfortunately City Skylines 2 has just got, I don't know less than what the first game provides and i don't know just doesn't do it as well it's the the game doesn't Mm. seem very smart when you place things and there's a slight gap it's really fucking ugly and i don't know the game's just like (laughs) and it's really janky too i don't know i feel like it's gonna have another 10 years of work on it and probably in a year announced like eight new regions or something coming out but um i think they aim for 30 frames a second which doesn't make real sense for a game that's where the your city is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're gonna have to be moving around placing things and a mm. 30 frames is just gonna limit that it's gonna be yeah. a little bit jagged a little bit yeah rough i mean i can see frames I can is so of, fucking 2001 yeah but i can now i'm a pc player so don't hate on me for saying this but i can see why they would i guess aim for 30 frames per second in some aspects because at the end of the day, it's a non-competitive title. It's it doesn't need Super to slow. rely on like rich kind of visual fidelity, and maybe in maybe for the sake of like resourcing and channeling, you know, C- CPU resourcing, for example, to different locations within the game, so that you could get more into the game. Mm. Don't know if that makes sense. Maybe no, they think, oh, fuck it, we'll just, we'll just aim for 30 yeah. FPS because no one's going to be needing 60 FPS or higher on this game. Even yeah. though, especially us being on PC, we expect everything. Like Even Alan Wake, for example. Alan Wake, there's been a lot of talk about Alan Wake 2 being an incredibly demanding game um, that, that will suck resources from your PC and set it on fire if it's not fucking powerful enough. And I accept that. Even still, I can still run this game at 4K and achieve 60 FPS yeah. on my PC like yeah. even still so you know there's I don't know I don't know what goes into the, that decision to, to say we're going to run this game or aim for 30 no. FPS on this game it's a real weird one yeah I mean I think you hit it there with the whole Alan Wake thing because that was my comparison I was comparing my performance I was getting on Alan Wake 2 one of the most gorgeous games I've ever played and demanding mm. and hitting really good frames on max settings then to jump on City Skylines 2 that doesn't even come close graphically and then I'm hitting 30 and it's just like there's no there's no there's no reason for that like yeah. I don't know I don't know it's fine it is what it is it's a city building game it's not exactly I mean, fast yeah. hopefully hopefully like like you say Connor hopefully over the next few years they can build it because this is obviously oh. going to be a game that's going to be around for, for another decade as well oh, like yeah. the first it's, one it's paradox isn't it yeah they mm-hmm. they'll continue to update the game it's just yeah. it's just, it's a shame that it's come out in the state it has because I think a lot of people were looking forward to City Skylines mm. too. I remember when we saw the trailer at the Xbox show. Yeah, I was thinking that looks really good. I've, I've I thought it looked great now. and I have, I haven't played too much of the first one but I enjoyed what I played and I thought, oh, they're, they're going to expand it. There's going to be more to do. But yeah. I'll, I'll check that game out in six months. It'll probably be great. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got faith in Paradox. They've, they've done a lot of good yeah. in the past. Mm. All right, well, <laughs> should, we, should, we, should we move on to the the main event? Let's. Well, just to explain what the Hall of Fame is, for anyone who hasn't listened to our previous Hall of Fame episode, it's basically our greatest games of all time list. 
a list we've been slowly adding to over the course of this show and we'll keep adding to, I guess, until we think it's complete or we just get yeah. bored. Um, <laughs> we've talked a lot about what makes a great game truly great or really one of the greatest of all times and the reasons for calling a game the best of all time will obviously vary from player to player. But I think for us, that game will need to have contributed to or changed the industry in some positive way, excelled far beyond anything else in that genre in terms of its execution, perhaps made us rethink our expectations of video games and generally elevated the medium to new heights. Mm. So far, we've added Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty for its thought-provoking examination of society in the digital age and Red Dead Redemption 2 for creating one of the most immersive video game worlds of all time. Yeah, And I think, well, we think, our next game deservedly sits side by side with our first two entries for its own reasons, and that game is The Witcher 3. Cue The Witcher 3 soundtrack. <laughs> so The Witcher 3. All of the games are sequels. We've not put an original product into the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, but I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, if the game's good, then the game's good. Sometimes the first version of a game can have potential, but not quite hit it. And mm. I feel like that was maybe what Red Dead Redemption was. Not saying it didn't quite hit it. It was a very good game, but Red Dead yeah. 2 took everything that was great about Red Dead and just fucking pushed it into the that's stratosphere. It. You Te- know? Technology of the time and stuff With as GTA well. Online money pumped into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still pumping. Right. Yeah. So, The Witcher 3. Um, Witcher 3 is an action role-playing game developed by Polish studio CD Projekt Red. And it's based on the best-selling novels by Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. I just got really thrown off by my own notes there because for some reason I wrote German author, but I know he's Polish. Yeah, he is Polish. I don't know why I wrote that. The game is widely regarded as one of the greatest open-world games ever created and at the time of its launch received rave reviews from fans and critics. To date, The Witcher 3 is one of the best-selling video games of all time, having sold over 50 million copies. And I didn't know that until earlier. That's a lot of of copies sold since its release in 2015. With thousands of players still spending countless hours in its world, it's safe to say that the impact of The Witcher 3 in video games is clear for everyone to see. So, lads, we've chosen The Witcher 3 as the next game into the Hall of Fame. But what is it about the game that makes it so special? It's it's one of those easy choices, isn't it? It's like a decision that's almost been made for us. If you make a game that good, that's made that much of an impact, that hit the hype when it was being teased and, I don't know, ex- excelled everyone's expectations, I don't know, it's just a no-brainer. I think everything from the incredible story to the iconic characters and voice actors. The gameplay was great. The graphics were absolutely next gen of the time. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I I struggled to complete The Witcher 3 for my own personal reasons because I've just got a terrible attention span. But I eventually made my way through it for the first time this year. Was it this year? I think it was. And oh my God, why the fuck did I wait so long? What oh, an incredible the story. 17th attempt. Like, yeah. oh, I've done to it be honest though, Ben, you actually played, you probably played the best version of the game. Yeah, I with really With the next did. gen update, with the RTX yeah. editions and stuff like that, all ray tracing mm-hmm. and everything. So you probably played the, the best version of it. Yeah, I actually do feel quite fortunate that I did wait until, well, I say I didn't intentionally wait, but since I didn't complete it for so long until the next gen version came out, it mm. was an amazing first time experience because it was obviously everything that they might have fixed and tweaked from the first one and then um, um, everything else that they Both DLCs available to you at the time as well. Yeah. And like me and James, we were were sitting there waiting, like staring at the ceiling, like I (laughs) need this expansion. Yeah. Well, Uh, actually, I'm just going to try and cast your minds back because I'm not sure if you remember this, but I actually do remember this when it happened. So the E3, E3 2013, the Mm. Witcher 3 debut of the gameplay trailer hits our screens and it looks very different from what we got which is interesting because I'm looking back here and thinking that's not what the game looked like when I played it on the PS4 in 2015 when it came out because it it didn't come to PC straight away it came to console first and then I think PC later on is that right right. do you remember I think so that's right because there was an uproar about it because um, obviously, the second one had come to console. It's only on the 360. The first mm. one was a PC exclusive. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
So interesting because, you know, I remember um, going back even, even before that to, is it the Watchdogs announcement for the PS4, which would, we would have been going into the PS4 and Xbox One generation then. And then that was kind of like a massive fucking downgrade from what was shown at E3. Yeah. Obviously, the, the, when the game came out, people were clearly like very satisfied with what they got. But I think it's interesting that they showed the game in 2013 and it kind of looks completely different from what we actually got two years later when the game released. Well, in a in like an overpromised kind of way. Yeah, massively overpromised. The game looks like so different. If you go back and watch that E3 gameplay mm. trailer for 2013 it looks really different um there's like way more kind of weather effects in the game there's way more sort of like the the combat looks i know you mentioned the combat ben but i don't know if you, you didn't play it back on the ps4 when it came out the yeah. combat wasn't great and um they massively improved that um as a sort of like game kind of lived out its life cycle so yeah they over over promised in in that first trailer yeah I've got, i think I've it's got... interesting how they managed to kind of release the game and it still be incredible even though they kind yeah. of didn't really they weren't really truthful with what the game was going to be when mm. they first kind of showed it off which is a weird and interesting sort of point to take because everyone kind of forgets about that because we're all in like this heightened state of oh my god i love the witcher like now yeah. but back then it was like a bit of a mm. i think it's one of those things where even though they may have technically overpromised, maybe because of the just the bare bones of the game was such like so good anyway that it wasn't like it was it was almost like they promised what us here and then we received this but usually we would have got this like what we got yeah, with like which, the watchdogs if yeah, you know what I mean like you said with the watchdogs watched and I remember as well like graphically around that time the division was shown off and then we got obviously people love the division but that era of gaming was this is what you're getting and then you got something completely different and then yeah. they go well the consoles held it back and we can't do this mm. and um so i do think the witcher 3 obviously came out brave reviews understandably but they were trying to get those games onto like the xbox one and the ps4 at the time yeah, yeah. so i remember i um i got the 2080 ti specifically to play The Witcher 3 on like And you never played it. And then you and didn't play it until you got your 4090. Yeah, exactly. Two generations and like five years later or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember I couldn't run it at like on, I don't know, high enough settings. So I, mm. uh, The Witcher was the exact reason why I, I upgraded my computer immensely at the time. Yeah. But um, well, it's, was, it's funny because, um, sorry, no, but gone. I was just going to say, I was going to move on to the open world, but... Um... Yeah, well, that's sorry, funny you say that. That's literally what I was going to mention next. <laughs> um, so you, you said about um, them having like a real kind of core, just like great experience in the game. And that's why mm. when it looked like it had been downgraded, the experience itself was still incredible. Yeah, And I think that one of the best kind of experiences you can have in this game or one of the best things you can do in this game is just explore the open world because yeah, me too. we kind of talk about like open world games and, and how some open world games like Assassin's Creed get it really wrong. Some mm. open world games like The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, and then obviously The Witcher, Red Dead Redemption 2 get it really right. Yeah. What is it that they do differently? Well, with The Witcher, much like Red Dead Redemption 2, the world just feels like things you do in that world mean something first of all secondly characters fleshed out thirdly there's so much detail and yeah. a combination of these things has, has made the, the world of the witcher 3 just such a delight to travel through and be in well it's there's this um sort of not study i don't want to go as far as to say it to like that but there's basically this like golden distance between objectives and like points of interest that game developers kind of did some research into in the past. And a game mm. like The Witcher has basically got this um, like, I don't know, between each point of interest and side mission and sort of, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean? Points of interest. Yeah, 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 yeah. There should be a certain amount of travel time between them. And I think The Witcher hit the fucking golden distance between objectives so you could you could there was always a little bit of distance between um where you currently are and something of interest but it was always like a chain link you could jump from one to the other 
so there was always some interest there's no mm. like extra long distance without something of interest there's no it's not like it's too much on top of each other it kind of hits that perfect attention span level of a player regardless of the player if you are someone who really takes your time and immerses yourself in the world or someone who doesn't really care and is just trying to like speed through the game for everybody they kind of hit this nail on the head in regards to just having lots of interest and um yeah just just yeah it, no matter where you go like you can be riding through the countryside and there'll be a, what was a battlefield like what feels like a couple of days ago and there's rotting corpses and there's drowners popping up out of them and there's people in cages people on spikes or you'll go through velen and there's it feels crowded it feels crammed you've got like the eternal fire spouting mm. off propaganda yeah. people getting burnt alive yeah. And you'll see people walk around. Some people are holding their back. You've got little bits of dialogue going off as you go past. It just feels lived in. And mm. I hadn't really played a game like it up until then. Like Obviously, we had big games like Skyrim and stuff like that. But there's long periods of time where you just walk around, there's nothing going on. Mm. Yeah. Where it's same with like you brought up Red Dead 2. Like They've made the world feel lived in, but it's not overpacked. So you can go through the countryside yeah. and not see anyone for ages. There'd be some monsters and stuff like that. So it feels real. Yeah. Mm. And it, it yeah, it, it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's just the atmosphere of the world, isn't it? You really oh, yeah. do get transported to that world. The soundtrack changing in the background as you're just riding around and you're walking yeah. through. Yeah. And then like the dynamic of Geralt, like Geralt, isn't loved or adored he's a fucking monster and he gets spat at and he gets abused mm. verbally and he gets called know. a witch fucker when you're walking around the town <laughs> yeah witch fucker but like Geralt such a cool iconic one of the most iconic characters of all time and he's he really just this is tough mofo doesn't give a fuck like he knows he can slay every single person in every single town he goes to but he's uh He's just the most iconic I, character. I don't know how they've done it because a, a character completely devoid of emotion. That, yeah. That's what happens to him during like the trials. And it's like a game and, where you have so many decisions to make. Sorry. And he's meant to be impartial. Yeah. But you still give a, you care about it. it and it, it's weird mm. because he shows no emotion, but he still does, he looks to do the right thing. It's, yeah. It's just it's just interesting, isn't it? Where you have a game where you have so many decisions that you can make that actually really have a profound effect on the the, the whole overarching story of the game, but then the, the character that you play as doesn't really give a fuck and doesn't need to either. They're completely self sustaining. Yeah, like it's a sword for hire. Yeah, yes. so mm. yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's it's a, it's a weird like situation to be in when you're kind of playing as Geralt because you do really you really do end up making decisions that impact so many people who live on the continent and one of my favorite parts of the game and many people will always like refer to the the, the bloody baron storyline and mm. everything that goes on with with him it's just like that's that's when you really kind of begin to understand the effect that your actions can have in the yeah. game and I feel like sort of going back on to what you said Connor I feel like The Witcher 3 is the first real big AAA open world game where your decisions really counted where they really mm. mattered now I never I know like Skyrim had an element of that as well but I never really played Skyrim so I can't speak on that in my own personal sort of opinion but for me The Witcher feels like it was the first time that was ever really put into a game and really thought about yeah. in like how we can change the actual outcome of the entire game because there are multiple endings to the game there's 36. multiple ways you can get there yeah. 36 36 in total like different decisions like oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah does radovid take charge did nilfgaard yeah, take yeah, 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 and yeah. stuff like that in yeah so you're literally going through the game and you're shaping the, the fate of the continent and it's interesting that that is such a big part of the game because the whole kind of theme around the game is about fate and like you know series kind of calling and like the elder blood and all this stuff and it's like well what does she want to do even though she's got all these kind of like you know that the fate of the entire world rests on her shoulders and mm. stuff but she just wants to be a, a witcher and, and hang, out, hang out with Geralt yeah. and, and she doesn't care about any of that stuff and like you have a direct impact on whether she gets to do that or not yeah like and the story really ramps up 
So when you get towards the end and you are really sort of invested in Siri and you're with her and you are making those those decisions, it's incredible when the story and the excitement of the story matches that. I remember getting towards the end and the shit is going down in that crazy storm. And mm. to know, that's the definition of an amazing game. It's thrilling, exciting. Yeah, yeah. And then you've obviously if you don't go out and do the side missions or you just power through the main story, you don't necessarily get the best team for the battle that care Morn. Yeah. You can find people yeah. that are, are off the beaten track. You've got Geralt sort of being torn between Triss, who he had a fling with whilst he had amnesia in the second game. Yeah. And Yennefer, who's the one that he's been sort of partnered up with for life. Mm-hmm. Like they're meant to be together. Yeah, it's. Oh, can, yeah. can you imagine the skill and dedication it takes to craft a story that has so many different options available to the player, and make it also cohesive and make sense? And mm-hmm. it's just what a feat! Like, imagine the fucking mind map on a wall that they would have had with all <laughs> the the narratives and where they yeah. lead and what affects what and the timings of it all and what this if you do this quest before another quest and then it's just amazing to think on top of that that, you've got a ginormous fucking map with different sections and you've got all of these points of interest you've got these side quests which are and these just throwaway missions that are just as well written as the main quests are yeah. That was one of the biggest like praises the game got, wasn't it? That the side quests weren't just your typical go here, kill this, come back. It was actual yeah. f- like interesting actual story. stories. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just like a. I mean, the, the the side quests, if anything, they're just a a precursor to what the DLC has in store. Because mm. I mean, we've said this from the beginning, and many but many other people have said this as well. Is that the, the expansions, particularly blood and wine has mm. got more content in it and it's more content complete than so many games that yeah. claim to be finished and inexperienced or whatever when they come out and it's just a fucking dlc in the day just an expansion but it's, yeah. a, it's a 20 to 30 hour expansion like who does that who the fuck yeah. makes that on top of a 200 and plus hour game already if if cd project red had gone right we've got blood and wine coming out it's like a 3.5 it's a separate game to yeah, The yeah. Witcher Three. I would have played full price for it. Yeah, like, because they yeah. didn't just like they didn't just add new story stuff onto the game. They added a whole new map. They added mm-hmm. all these new mutations and things like that, and like a new skill tree and all this these other things. Loads of new armor, loads of new weapons and swords and stuff. So it, it really was like The Witcher Three Point Five. Yeah, and and yeah, completely sort of changed the game in 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 a, in a bunch of positive ways. And that whole storyline. Um, in, in in blood and wine is really good as well really interesting i mean just as good as any of the the side quests or main quests that you get in the main game i think it's one of those things where it's like it is actually kind of the definition of what downloadable content is but then it also pushes the boat out for what do- downloadable content should be because it's way more than what other game devs provide for their games with dlc and yeah. it's way more than uh, than what you'd expect from just a dlc it's, a, yeah. it's, it's actual content so um yeah um, amazing it, one thing i loved is at the beginning of hearts of stone the guy the random guy that you meet um in the tavern in like the the uh tutorial the, the tutorial section of the game is the the enemy in the dlc and oh, I, uh, it's oh, sorry, Gontro, I dim i think his name is he's the man of mirrors but yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you, Oh, you yeah, go, yeah. you go to the game, and you go. I know that guy, mm. and then it, it gets you, Oh, he was in the tutorial at the beginning of the game, and it's yeah. just like, did they plan that from the beginning, <laughs> or did they throw that in? That's it. It's, it's the attention to detail because it could have just been some random guy, like just like oh, he's just turn up out of yeah. nowhere. But it's like, no, that guy's already in the game, and he knows everything about you because he talks about uh. Uh, Lilac and Gooseberries and like Yennefer and stuff like that. Mm. He knew everything mm. about Geralt. Just immediate yeah. interest, isn't it? Yeah. Also, as well, they invented a whole fucking Gwent system yeah. to go along with the game. <laughs> oh, mate, the like, amount of hours I spent on Gwent it, it, just, within the game is just ridiculous. So good. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, Horizon Forbidden West, you try to fucking rip off Gwent with your own in game stupid fucking game. Oh, really? Game. And it, not Forbidden West, what's the new one? I mean, it's Forbidden West. Yeah, it's yeah, Forbidden West. West. Yeah. With your own fucking Borg, and it sucks. 
Oh no. It's happened in so it. many games, so many games since uh obviously Final Fantasy did it long before a lot of people, but I've noticed since the Witch came out there'd be like little side games in games and they're not as good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, usually like, they're boring, you just want to trend skip them, mate. no interest. You know, they they fucking like, set setting trends all over the place, C D yeah. projects. I would purposely go around and find a new merchant to play Gwent against someone oh. I've never played before. Yeah, like, definitely, absolutely. That was like a whole That's... thing that I went through for like literally probably about ten to fifteen hours of the game was just playing Gwent solidly, not doing anything else. Once I played a few matches I was like, Yeah, this is sick. So now I'm just gonna carry mm. on playing it. Yeah. And then I remember I was cheesed the fuck out of that mission where you had to win that high stakes tournament. I made sure I won that because obviously if you apparently <laughs> I looked it up, if you lost that, you wouldn't be able to get all the cards in the game. Like you had to win. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. cheesed the shit out of that. That's that's like it just it just shows how much kind of attention to detail they've they've brought in and and you know, I I, th- I think about the process of making The Witcher three and, and expanding this world and building it out with the characters and everything and I mean, I, I don't know what that took. It obviously took a fucking Herculean effort to get the game to mm. where it is now because they have literally looked after every aspect of the game, even like all the mm. side characters and NPCs. They feel like they've all had some kind of love and attention put into them, which yeah. is what, you know, you play you play a lot of games these days and Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a prime example. It's mm. like that game has been fucking neglected and it was neglected when it was being fucking made as well. And like CD Projekt Red were a smallish studio at the time. It's, yeah. They're in the middle of Poland. Polish gamers don't buy games. That's the yeah. culture of the country. Uh, obviously, The Witcher Two, Witcher One, and The Witcher Two had like cult followings, and they tried yeah. to expand when The Witcher Two went on to Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and obviously the books were popular. And then The Witcher Three comes out, and it's just like just a tornado of momentum. Everyone knows about yeah. CG Product Red. They're clearly on the map. Then they announced yeah. Cyberpunk. They're the arguably the most revered studio in the world after one game yeah yeah and then obviously now coming up next we've got the witcher one remake i mean Mm, i'm not sure when that's due to come out but the uh witcher one supposedly a a top to bottom remake isn't it entire five games being remade that should be quite cool well it's not being made by cd project red they're like overseeing it they've scrapped what was already being made did they yeah something i don't know if they're bringing it in-house there was rumours oh, that right. they'd scrapped it. Uh, they weren't happy with it or something like that. But, I did um, hear that they were bringing in the actual devs of The Witcher 1 in to like oversee mm, it as well. Yeah. Just to, uh, to I just off. hope they take as much time as they want because obviously the shareholders forced out Cyberpunk and it didn't come out in the state that it's come out. I think yeah, so many devs learnt a lesson from that. Mm. I mean, what did they? I say that. <laughs> You're still think, having it in today. Yeah, you're still having it in. I think CG Project Red learned from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, like, a, it's a big lesson to learn. And it's, I, I just can't get over how good The Witch 3 is. And now, where Cyberpunk is, like, this new expansion's mm. come out, which I'm going to play in January. When, but just if you look at Cyberpunk now and The Witch 3 now as well, they've just, they've updated that game eight years later. Yeah. You know, mm. they're constantly adding things. It's been patched four times this year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit a minute ago, Connor, but I kind of wanted to maybe just sort of wrap up the, the discussion about The Witcher, just mentioning the, the studio again, CD Projekt Red, and kind of the impact that they've had on gaming. But more than that, because we know now that obviously there's a Netflix series um, of The Witcher, there's the yeah. anime, um, The Witcher 4 is in development or like a yeah. new version of the Witcher is in development at some point. So There's I like- think for, for, for not just the, like we I mentioned in my intro to this section that, you know, for us, a game that gets into the hall of fame, a game to be regarded as one of the best of all time should have some kind of cultural impact. I think just like Red Dead Redemption 2 did, just like Mel Gistola 2 did. And, you know, the Witcher, especially when you look at the, the kind of impact that it had commercially, um, just in the genre um, itself, like, you know, the action RPG and also just video games generally. And like we said about spawning off like fucking side games and imitations of, of Gwent and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I, for, for for me, CD Projekt Red, they had their problems with Cyberpunk, but they yeah. they are one of the best video game studios oh, like, yeah. in, in op- operating down. today. 
the care and attention is on another level. There's, you don't get um, many games like that. If anyone's listening to this, obviously after the episode, um, Daniel Dwyer over on No Clips got like a documentary over at CD Project Red, and you see them just making like taverns and placing huts in little areas, and it's just tiny little details that you take for granted in this game. You walk mm. into it, and obviously you're yeah. in a town, and there's 15 huts or whatever. They're all different inside. They may not seem it, but there's candles in different places, and there's bookshelves and yeah, and all the little points of interest. They didn't need to do that. Like you, well, that's what sets them apart, though, isn't it? That's yeah. the, it's that level of attention to detail. I mean, we just come off the back of another massive Western RPG in Starfield, and Starfield is a hugely ambitious game. And you know, any sensible gamer looks at that game and think, yeah, I know what Bethesda are trying to do with this game, but that still does not excuse or kind of you know negate the fact that you can go to some of these planets and there's a lot of repetitive content on some of these planets you know Mm. put it down to the procedurally generated aspect of it or whatever you want to do that's fine but i would rather have a world like the witcher where everything's been handcrafted and everything's been Mm. placed by creators and artists in there um to tell a story in a specific way and not just kind of been copy and pasted or is not like the kind of you know offspring of a yeah. semi-functional, procedurally generated sort of system. I mean, there's a massive contrast between the two, isn't there? I mean, one of them is, like you said, that care and attention that a developer would put in, and it's mostly because of like story-driven reasons, whereas with the procedural generation, it's more of just like a, I don't know, it's almost like an indie dev strategy, isn't it? Where they haven't got the team available to make it, man-made so let's use a bit of ai to assist and help yeah yeah yeah. this this game really does feel like a love letter to the fans of the witcher obviously i I jumped in i've completed the third one i played a little bit the second one i couldn't play the first i didn't have a pc at the time but it feels like this game was this is Geralt's send-off we're gonna do it right and everything they've done everything right everything's where it's meant to be. The writing is stellar. The voice acting is great. And there's times where you will be in a town and you recognise the voice actor because he was in the town prior. But the dialogue changes <laughs> and it, it doesn't take you out of it. And mm. the score is incredible. I've got a little bit of random trivia. Yeah. Go on. So in the, what's the first town you, you start the game in, the small one? Um, yeah. So there's a little kid who says like, oh, I've got a lump of bread today. And... My daughter, sometimes when she says things a certain way, I try and get her to this day to say, oh, I got a lump of bread today because she sounds all common English, like just like the kid does. I don't know yeah. why. But like fucking just, Oliver Twist. Yeah. Well, I've got a lump of, those... of bread today. <laughs> yeah, it literally. <laughs> I was walking so... around and oh, it, it pops into my head all the time, but there's one thing you walk past and it goes pam param yeah pam, oh, pam. That <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's pam, it's pam. it that pops into my head to this day yeah, oh, yeah. crazy but i mean it takes it takes it takes a fucking game like that to give you those moments so you know yeah. not all games can deliver that for you no especially when it comes out in 2015 think about the limitations of the time just what an that's what i mean like like connor and i we talk about this a lot we spent two maybe 300 hours playing the witcher 3 on the ps4 at like oh. 14 fps sounded but like i loved every, i loved every minute of it and that's just how good the game is you know and mm. yeah i definitely feel a little bit envious of you actually ben because you, you playing it in 2023 you played the absolute best version mm. and i guess if you went back to 2015 and said this is what your game will look like in sort of eight years time they'll be like that's exactly the game we wanted to make yeah yeah i think well yeah you're right for sure yeah but yeah anything else to add before we uh um officially what um after your first playthrough what ending did you get what how did siri come out of it uh Andrew, go first. so i You've think done this i recently. got the good ending where siri becomes a witcher mm. yeah so i uh i was really pleased with that because when i looked it up after to see what other endings i could have got and then that it was kind of widely adopted or widely agreed upon that the Siri Witcher ending was like the ultimate best one. That's like the canon like, ending. Oh, thank fuck yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, I got yes. that ending as well. Yeah, that's the oh, ending nice. I got. And me and James playing at a time where we didn't know there was multiple endings. Yeah, yeah. I knew so there I were multiple endings. didn't know. So lucky. 
Because so, as well, the, the lead up into into getting that ending, you have to make the correct choice on like five mm, different occasions or something mm. throughout, not just like the end of the game, but it's literally the entire game these, these yeah. go back to. You need to make the correct decision from like yeah. the beginning right to the end. Otherwise, to the barren and stuff. You, exactly. And otherwise, like, you risk fucking it all up. Otherwise, she can become like empress or something. Yeah, she can, God, she can die. Well, well the worst one is she goes in into void. that fucking void and, and just yeah. doesn't come back and then yeah. Geralt loses everyone and, and then he goes to the fucking witches in the, the ladies of the woods. Um, and one I watched question. that because I was, I was sorry, yeah. Connor, but I was just mentioned, I was really interested to see the really bad ending, but I never got it myself. So I went back and watched it on YouTube and it's, it's proper shit. Geralt basically loses yeah. everyone and then he goes to the um, ladies of the, what are they called? The ladies of the woods or whatever Crook. they call those, the, uh, the crones, yeah, the, those three witches. Yeah. I think he's, or something. yeah, the crones yeah. are crook bad boy. I think, I think, I don't know if he's going there to kind of like to kill them or try to get them to do something to undo what he does, but he goes into the hut, the door closes, you hear the witches come out and it just cuts to black. So you don't know what happens to him, whether oh. he dies, whether he kills them or what. I think people say that he dies in that heart because he goes there basically on a suicide mission because he's lost everyone. Yeah, he that goes is back like a, to such get, a dark um, fucking ending. He goes Jeez. back to get Ciri's medallion and then he gets attacked by like everything in the forest apparently. But mm. I, I, like you said, I do think he's gone. He's just gone back to die. That's yeah, why he's gone there. Much. He's lost everything. Mm. And also, did you make a decision between Yennefer and Triss or did you end up alone? Yen. Yen. Yen, Yen, Yen. is canon. That's yeah. my head canon. I picked Yen just because I think Triss was just a fling. I mean, I'd bang Triss IRL, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I but feel yeah. like um I feel like there are certain things about the game that like just are true. Like Geralt mm. ends up with Yennefer, Siri ends up being a Witcher. Like that just for me, that's like the ultimate kind of canon of, of, of that Witcher was, 3. Yeah, that was the the good ending. The, mm. the and it's if a nice it was little a story. touch at the end of Blood and Wine, if like I think whoever you choose, they come and yeah, they stay they with you in Tucson. I think that was, yeah, I thought that yeah. was such a good sort of cross. Yeah, and was, you have the I big picture myself, at the end of everyone together. And, mm, yeah. yeah. So I thought to myself, like, how does the Blood and Wine DLC tie in? Because you said that you'd settle down together. And then when Yennefer, when you finish the DLC and Yennefer comes along and settles down together, it's like, oh, this is so perfect yeah. of an end it. Because it's just, it's so random in that DLC. They add so many more extra things into the game, like being able to fucking decorate your house, being able to yeah. even have a house. And like, obviously all the mutation stuff. DLC. Exactly. Like, uh, you said you said about like the, the the Witcher being a love letter to fans and stuff, but Blood and Wine just feels like this is the developers now enjoying the Witcher and having fun yeah. with it and saying this is how everything's going to end. It's going to be all nice. This is mm. how we leave it. So exactly. uh, yeah, should we confirm and solidify this inclusion to our yes, game? Absolutely, yes. The Witcher Three, the third entry in our Hall of Fame and very well deserving of that position. Not being third, but just being in it. Nah, generally. Yeah. <laughs> it's number one. <laughs> well, that seems like a good place to leave it, lads. Uh, thanks for the discussion on The Witcher 3. A game we all love, and a game sure many of you listening love as well. Um, if you want to hear more from us, you can tap the link in the description of this episode. You can come join our Discord. You can watch us on YouTube and listen to us on all your favourite podcast streaming sites. Until next time, have a good week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.